0: In today's episode, I'm going to be speaking with Los Angeles studio engineer Jeremy Underwood. He came to Los Angeles by way of El Paso, Texas. We're going to discuss his journey from film scoring to recording some of the biggest bands in the world to his latest work in the gaming field. I think you'll enjoy hearing his story and learning about the world of audio. Hey, Jeremy, thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast.
1: Oh, well, thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, man. I wanted to sort of start with your background. So like me, you came to LA from somewhere else. Your place happens to be El Paso. So what like sort of drew you into this world of audio to begin with uh, starting college?
1: Well, it was actually while I was in college. I um, I was a computer science major and, you know, had this, you know, giant massive project that took forever and it just kept crashing and I couldn't get it fixed and I couldn't get it to work and in the meantime while all that's happening on the side I'm in a bunch of really bad bar bands and starting to enjoy the music side of things more and so uh, over dinner one night someone was like well you like computers and you like music it seems like you should be an audio engineer and I was like I don't understand what you're talking about it was not a job that Growing up in El Paso, you knew anybody who was an audio engineer. So once that sort of happened, then I was like, I don't want to go on tour. And it's like, no, 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 be a studio engineer. And then it just kind of like through that, I started doing a little bit of internet research and was like, oh my God, there's schools for this. And there's people who do this for a living and go home every night. And it's amazing. So I went to check out the recording school and I was like, oh, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And, um, yeah, and that. So I, I immediately switched off of computer science and switched over to, uh, you know, just got and got my business degree, so I could finish out my credits and then went to recording school and then out to L.A. and now I'll be here twenty years next month for two months. And that's crazy.
0: So, like, if someone listening doesn't understand the difference between, say, engineering and mixing, is there like an easy way to sort of differentiate between the two for uh, a layman
1: yeah so you know nowadays there's sort of you know a lot of intermingling of all this but in the sort of the purest sense of it an audio engineer is more a tech side of things setting up mics getting the studio running hooking things up doing all those things as where the mixer side of it is just kind of is more of the sort of pure creative okay, this voice needs to be louder and this instrument needs to be louder and push this up here and everything. So they're actually mixing the project as where an audio engineer is usually on the front side of things with the band in the studio, with the artist on the the film set or whatever the case may be. Okay. So then when you came
0: here though, initially, did you first get into working in the sort of uh, with bands and artists and things like that? Or did you sort of start in a different arena or, or area of music? Or audio.
1: When I came to LA, the the, sort of the battle cry was, "I want to be the next Rick Rubin. I want to produce albums. I want to find new bands. I want to bring them up. I want to do all this stuff." And the internship that I got was at a film post house, so we would have fifty to sixty piece orchestras on a regular basis and doing all the scores for movies and mixing the scores for movies. And I'd never experienced anything like that in my life. And all of a sudden it was like this thing turned and it was like, I love this so much. Everybody's so on the ball and everybody's so professional and at a level I'd never experienced before. And so then I was kind of like hooked on that, but I still want that. There was still that little voice inside me that was like, but you want to do bands. So I always, I always, did bands and even switched over at one point and worked with a really you know prolific producer and got to work with tons of artists that I was like, why are you asking my opinion on this? I have no idea. Like, you're, you know. So I, I've been very fortunate to work in the film scoring side of things, the record label side of things, and then also in the video game world as well. Right, right.
0: So then... Starting, I guess you know, with these rock world that you were in, was that because you've worked around some you know top of the 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 food chain you know artists and, and and bands out there, was that sort of intimidating to you at first, or was it always intimidating around these you know iconic musicians?
1: There's still there's still a little bit like when someone you know you see someone's name coming in, and you're like, okay. I gotta be on my game. Cause this is about as big as it gets, you know, but it was definitely in the beginning. It was definitely more intimidating because it was like, I, you know, you, you see these names that you've known and you have their albums and you've maybe even seen them in concert and now you're going to work with them. And you're kind of like, what could I possibly add to this? What could I possibly do to help this situation? I had Santana did a guitar solo and then turned to look at me and goes, what'd you think? And I'm like, what am I <laughs> going to tell you, dude? Like there's nothing that I could say here that could add to this. Uh, But then after a certain point you realize they're there to get a job done. You're there to help them with that job. And then you just sort of slide into it and you kind of forget. And then after, especially after you spend a lot of time with these people, you, you sort of forget big picture that, Hey, they're just making music and you're just trying to help facilitate that. So it kind of, kind of goes away, but every once in a while, it'll still come back. You have that moment of like, oh my God, I'm in the room with whoever. And it just kind of still, you have that moment of like, how did I end up here with you? And speaking of that,
0: how did you sort of end up working uh, in, in those rooms? Was it you just saw that this producer maybe needed some assistance and, and you had a friend there that hooked you up with an interview? Or how does someone listening that's like, dude, I just showed up in LA or New York or wherever, you know, Nashville. I don't even know where to start. And here you are, Jeremy, with, you know, you, you've you worked in some of the best rooms in in the city. How was how it for you to jump from, you know, I don't know anyone to like I'm working in this arena now of uh, talent?
1: Mine was a really sl- sort of slow um, slow burn. I kind of felt like I got, I, I always joke that I sort of feel like I got <laughs> on the Titanic just as it hit the iceberg. So when I first started, it was like these, you know, massive budgets and everybody will bring in a private chef for these sessions. And then it went down to everybody just order what you want. And we'll get a family style. Then, okay, each of you mm-hmm. order your own individual plates. And then it was the three of you order and everybody else you're on your own. So I kind of saw, you know, through a bunch of this thing. And, you know, mine was, mine was a little, I don't want to say more strenuous than others because everybody has their own, but mine was kind of weird in that the first studio I was at, I started out as a intern, then a runner and then, you know, worked my way up the pecking order as you, most people do. And then just as I started getting in the rooms and just started getting to be the assistant on these gigs and started getting my name, FaceTime with these people, the studio closed. Then, Once that studio closed, one of our techs at our studio said, I've got this buddy who's got a studio. They do a bunch of rock records and stuff. I think you'd be really great. So I started out over there right at the beginning as a runner, you know, and then worked on that. And and the reason I got moved up there was actually because I was working with independent bands and I was mixing one and I said, Hey, can I use the mix room? I just want to get used to the mix room and, learn how to use it and make sure I know all the gear and where everything's at. And so I did that for like three weeks, mixing stuff. And at the end of that three weeks, they said, Oh, I hope you learned a lot because someone's coming into big to mix and you're going to assist for them. And then I kind of was freaked out and that's, you know, and then that happened. And then that studio kind of went by the started to wane in business. And then I immediately went to another studio started there became the chief engineer at that studio and then it closed so it was just kind of like this true roller coaster of like up and down and up and down and every time i'd get to the next level it was like all right we're going to go back a little ways so the best thing that i can say to anybody who wants to do this is it's hard but if you really work hard at it are you know decent to, decent human being to be around and just keep at it you you can you know, you can find your ways in it. That first step is certainly the hardest to get that first internship or job or whatever the case may be. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, you
0: take what is it like one step forward, then two back. You know, like you, you get there and it's like okay, you start back to being an intern, and you know, yep. so you kind of paid your dues multiple times in multiple settings, which kind of helped you know obviously keep your chops up. But you were also out there grinding on the side in your free time trying to learn more than what you would pick up just by being an intern. So you're utilizing these rooms that maybe after hours you could get into and take advantage of and sort of hone your craft there. But this sort of transition, right? So you're working with these like legendary bands and now you're sort of knee deep in like video games. So how does like a transition from that sort of music production uh, uh, for artists to like the video game world? Can you walk uh, me through that and tell me how that whole transpired
1: it's funny it was actually a facebook picture that i put up so when the last studio i was working at was closing we were pulling all the cables out of the troughs and everything and i posted this picture that i thought was kind of amazing of all these cables piled up and one of the guys that i knew from my very first studio was like oh my god does this mean the studio's closing does this mean you need work i'm working in video games and we would love to have you engineer for some stuff and I was like, sure, I'll come over and talk to you. And so I went over there and I think it was like a week later, I was doing my first session on a video game. And I was like, this is kind of amazing. The tech behind it's super fast moving. The, you know, seeing these actors go from carrying on a conversation like we're in t- now to gut wrenching, crying, like, oh, you know, with the, you know, <laughs> literally just like, okay, go. Uh, you know, and they just snap it. Seeing him snap in and out of it was amazing, and so it just kind of I kept doing more of that and more of that. And that you know, the scoring work that I was doing, you know, it was just happening less, starting to happen less and less. And so it was just kind of in this like sort of perfect storm. My daughter had just been born, and so I kind of you know with the with the record stuff and with the um, film stuff. Sometimes it's eighteen, nineteen hour days. And I was, you know, with the video mm-hmm. game stuff, it's nine to five, nine to six. And I was like, well, then I can be home for dinner. I can be home to Tucker in. The weekends are off. Like, hey, this is, this, there might be something to this. And then, so I kept doing that more and then got the offer from PlayStation to work for them. And was like, okay, let's do this. Yeah, never look so back, I, right? <laughs> that was
0: five years ago now. So like, if you're working, say, creating, you know, a, a lot of what you've done and, and projects you've worked on are definite rock anthems, right? And now transitioning to, you know, audio landscape uh, for like a video game. Are there sort of like, what are the similarities and differences between those two uh, sort of audio worlds, so to speak?
1: Sort of the, the, the thing that I kind of always glom onto with whatever media it is, whether you're doing, you know, film scores, whether you're doing, Audio for video games, whether you're doing records, whatever the thing is, it's all about the story, like someone telling a story and can you get that story across in a, in an album setting, you know, we might be on a song, you've got three and a half minutes to tell the story and you do it linearly start to finish film. Same thing. You start a movie, you watch the whole movie, video games. You can pop in and out. You can move around. You can, you might start this story, then abandon it for another side story, then come back to it, and then move around. So it's you're telling this story, but it's not in a linear format, and it's on such a much grander scale than anything. If if Mm -hmm. you played a video game that ended in three and a half minutes, you would be really upset. Um, but with a you know a song, that's that's fine. That's normal. So it's, you know, it becomes this big thing about how do you tell the story? And you know, whether it be linearly in three and a half minutes, whether it be a two and a half hour film, whether it be a 50 or 60 hour video game, you're, it's still all about telling that same story. It's just how you do it, tech, what techn- technology you use to, to figure it out.
0: Right. So the, so the similarities are definitely, you know, you're telling a story. The difference is, is one could be three minutes, one could be, 50 hours, so to speak, depending on, you know, the, the, the concept and the storyline and, and yep. Uh, yep. you know, the, the genre of the game. But it's like, so when you're sort of shaping like the audio experience in a video game, what do you find the coolest thing about sort of creating that atmosphere and vibe of this, you know, gaming universe, so to speak?
1: The, the thing that kind of blows me away with video game audio especially is, you're starting, you're building a world. So whatever world that is, I mean, you know, okay, let's say it's, you know, an apocalyptic wasteland. (laughs) We don't have one of those to go record audio in. We've never been in one of those. So we don't know truly what it would sound like. It's everything is in the imagination and the figuring it out of it. So there's a lot of you know, there's a, a lot of leeway to figure out, like, ooh, well, I think if it was quieter, there might be you know birds in the background, or you might hear this, or you might hear the reflections off this building, or you know, with the, the tree growth on these buildings, you might not hear the reflections. So there's so many different elements that you can make up, and oh, you know, there's you know, there's a truck overturned on the side of this building while the you know metal reflects differently than the concrete of the building. So you have to figure out all that out and figure out where to place it and how you adhere it. And so you have to sort of go inside your own brain to figure out like, how do we make this world that's super believable that doesn't exist? And so to me, that that's kind of the, the mind blowing thing of it. We, you know, we have these actors in the studio, we're recording them on close mics but when it's all said and done, I have to believe that you're climbing up the side of a cliff in the middle of the wilderness. I have to do believe that you're doing this. You know, it's it's a lot of that, you know, you have to build it from scratch. And there's no, you know, there's no replicating it from something else because it's never existed before.
0: Yeah, it almost seems like a background in physics might help, right, when you're kind of shaping yeah. these, oh, yeah. <laughs> these these scenes and stuff like that. Because there's so many, like that's pretty amazing to think of. How many little sort of nuances that you have to be, you know, con- you know thinking about, concerned with things that you bring to the table that the average person may not pick up on. But as like like sort of like a record, you know, you might listen to it a hundred times and still hear little things that you never heard before. I imagine that's similar in games where you're picking up things that, oh wow, I never really realized this was going on the whole time in the background. And I guess that's sort of like leads into my next question about the evolution of music, right? Comparing that to games. So maybe you started and maybe it was Pro Tools version, whatever. And now, right, that continues to evolve and hard drives get bigger and new plugins come out and new, you know, whatever it might be to sort of assist there. Do you see like any trends in gaming and game audio that are sort of cool that are, or maybe just stuff that you use that may differ from just setting up for like a band to record.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, for a band, you know, yes, the, the plugins and all that stuff are moving forward, but the recording for a band is still, yeah, you set the mics up in front of the drums. You set the, you that's tried and true. That's, that's the sort of the way of the world with this stuff that we're, you know, constantly experimenting like maybe we put the mics a little further out, maybe we move them around, you know. What, you know, do we, we have these, you know, crazy high resolution mics that we use for, you know, our, our sound designers to go out in the middle of the desert and record five ones of these desert landscapes and figure out how to patch that in and you know there's all these, you know, convolution reverbs now where you can literally go to a space you can you know they have libraries of these spaces like hey i want to be in the second row at st paul's cathedral in london and you can drop a person right there and it'll figure out okay well based on time of day and temperature and all this the the, the sound will bounce back this far the sound will bounce this far and you know so it the technology behind the ability to program this stuff is getting crazy and you know i mean even now with watching a movie at home you know the idea of Atmos at home was kind of ridiculous but now there's these sound bars that do a pretty good job of replicating if you put them in the right place you know it's sort of this arms race to see who can make it bigger and faster which is amazing I you know I, I think it sort of builds the best of everything if everybody's trying to Alright, well what's the next thing? What, what can we do that's on this one that's better? What can we do this is faster? What can we do this one's cooler? Definitely on the mixing side of music, you're you're seeing that a lot more. You're starting to see like you know the track or even recording, you're seeing the track counts go, you know, exponentially. I mean, it used to be one one track that you're recording on. Now sometimes we have 400, 500 tracks wide. And it's like you couldn't have done that. I mean, my first pro tools to dig into it and make me feel (laughs) really old was pro tools. (laughs) Five. It's going to say five. Like there was no H, there was no HDX. There was no, you know, it was like, look at this. I can do pro tools on my computer, my home PC and I can get six tracks wide. (laughs) It's like, really? Like now, you know, if my computer can only do six tracks wide, I'm like, Oh, it's time to get a new computer. Like, it's time for it to go the tech the tech is moving so fast with all this stuff and so you you know a lot of it is the sort of ability to manipulate it faster and you know whether it be you know in movies the sound design in movies i just you know saw some stuff where they ha- there was a theater that had speakers on the ground and so you could hear the, the stuff on the floor and on the ceiling. And so, you know, there's this n- new cool stuff that's happening here. you know? So it's it's a really interesting time because everything's just sort of a rush to see who can, you know, one-up each other, which I think is only going to make everything
0: better. Yeah, it's not even that long ago when you're saying like Pro Tools 5 that you had that six-track setup, right? But like, you know, how uh, over a little over a decade, right? But it, it, it's still not that long to feel like oh my God, look how much this has exponentially grown in that time period, right? So like, if you had to come up with your favorite album and maybe your favorite game, it doesn't have to be one you worked on, could you draw a parallel between those two? And and like, what would that be if,
1: if you can? For me, so probably one of my favorite albums of all times is Nine Inch Nails' Pretty Hate Machine, which is ironic because, you know, Trent Reznor does so much, Right. Film stuff and game stuff. He does, you know, soundtracks for games now. Versus, uh, it, it's tough for me to pick a favorite game because there's so many genres. So many, you know, it's hard for me to pick that for records too. But the thing that stands out to me about him is this, like, you know, the, the emotion they evoke from me. Like, I can, I've listened to Pretty Hate Machine hundreds of thousands of times probably in my life at this point every time when it comes on there's certain notes that happen that trigger certain emotions or you know and and sometimes it's even with with music especially sometimes it's the memory that it brings back you know oh uh, remember, uh, this uh, the song was playing when we were at this party or whatever it was you know there's the evoke these emotions from you and that's you know that's the thing about some of these games that I love is there are certain games that even games that I've worked on that I recorded the actors, you know, say an actor got killed in a game and I recorded it and I know it's happening. Well, you know, a few years later the game comes out and I play it and it happens. I still have that emotional reaction even though, yeah, I knew it was coming because I recorded him being killed here. So I should, it shouldn't affect me, but it still does. So, you know, to me that's, That that's sort of the similarities between them. My favorite game, favorite album. You know, it's that. You does it? What is? You know, it's sort of selfishly. What does it make you feel like? What to do for you emotionally?
0: Yeah. So like, if these can both bring out emotion in you, to you, that's like okay, mission accomplished, right, so to speak. I know I did a good job. I can elicit this emotion not only in others but in myself. Like you said maybe four years ago you're turn something on or, or throw on a game you're like okay this happened years ago but i can feel like i'm i'm still there and it's going to bring out the same kind of feelings as if i was just hitting record on this you know console that that day four years ago in the studio so that's pretty wild i mean like if you had most people will would, would probably think oh these albums uh i'm used to or i grew up with would bring out this emotion to me but I would say because there's such a large fan base of this, these gamers, it, I wonder if the, 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 a lot of these people are more pulling from them. Like my my next question was like because the gaming community is you know pretty pretty hardcore, it's a very large community. And again, not naming any specific games, but like, have you ever encountered situations where maybe like you know the reaction to the audio was um, unexpected, or maybe? The feedback from fans influences decision making on the audio side on how to sort of portray scenes or characters.
1: Yeah, I mean, a lot of it, uh, you know, the sort of the fan reaction is the big stuff is story driven. Luckily for video games, they have, we have, you know, testers that can come in and test this stuff and give us feedback on the while it's happening. You can't do that with a record. You, you, you literally can't be like, look, there's no horns in this and. We're still going to, you know, we still want to punch up the drums a little bit, and we still want to, there's some, like, synth stuff that we want to add, but come in and listen to the album and tell me what you think. But we can do that with games. Yeah. Focus, focus right, group, yeah. right? Like, like a right. movie. Yeah. So, you, you know, you can't really do that for records. You can do that to a certain extent with focus groups for movies. Well, you can also do that with games. The difference with games is because the life cycle on a, making a game is so long, you can actually course correct midway through and say, you know what? Everybody, everybody hated this one, you know, mission because this, this, and this, all right, let's figure out how to fix it. We can do that. We still have two years before the game comes out. So you can, you can, you know, make these moves and you can listen to the fans as the game's being made and make things happen to course correct, to figure it out. And, To me, that's mind blowing to be able to look at, you know, have enough time, you know, and it doesn't, you obviously don't always have enough time to make, you know, big swathing changes, but if you can listen to the people that are testing this for you and focus testing it ahead of time, you can make these little moves like that. Oh, well, you know what? If we say this, this, and this, then, then it makes sense. They didn't, they didn't understand what we were trying to say. Cool, let's throw in some ADR here and let's do a little of this and let's do a little of that. And boom, next thing you know, now the next focus group that comes through goes, Oh my God, I totally understand that. I totally get it. And it makes sense. And, you know, so you can see this stuff happening. You can, you know, you can. I mean, I've, I've been to a point where I've been seeing games that were, you know, full force making it. And then everybody was like, No, it's not good okay, let's start over again. So they toss the whole thing out and start over again. You know, it's... Oh, that you can't do no, with a movie, right? No, <laughs> no, no. And, I mean, you can do it with a song on an album, but, you know, who's going to toss out a 15-song album and be like... Mm. Right. But, you know, like I said, with music, you really don't know till it's done and mastered and everything's together how it's going to sound. But... You can, you can get away with it in audio, you know, because we're doing so much on the, f- you know, there's so much. We're constantly mixing. We're constantly reviewing. We're constantly changing things. We're constantly checking in on things. So you can do so much of this, like, as it goes, which is crazy. Yeah. So a
0: band, like, may fine-tune or maybe just... Their, their focus group so so to speak might be um, hey we wrote this new song guys uh, we're gonna test it out at the uh, key club or, or right. Roxy or whatever you know what do you guys think we played this at the Viper room but they're not coming with 400 tracks right they're coming with right right, right. maybe four or five different uh instruments yeah. going on and you're not gonna get that full sonic experience whereas yeah. you're bringing this everything to someone and saying hey or, or a group and, and and what do you think and now we can go fine-tune and have just the time, like, you know, they don't have in yeah. other other worlds like music and, and and perhaps movies. Sometimes they'll go out a year, I guess, but they don't have years usually sure. to sort of fine tune those things. But, so you do listen uh, to a degree on what um, audience, you know, think and, and, and take that uh, to heart and, and bring that into, you know, some edits here and there.
1: Yeah, and there's sometimes, you know, you can't. And there's sometimes you just have to go, Oh my God, they don't like this, but you know, we'll do some stuff to try and make it better. And then you, you know, they might like it worse or, you know, and you don't, you might not have time to pivot cause you're like, this is the entire tent pole that our entire game centers around. You can't do that. You know, you can't change that on the fly, but you know, because you have so many people, you know, on a, on a record, you know, if you think about it in the sort of the most base form, you have the band sitting in there with the producer and the engineer. And then the label execs chiming in, you know, but that's usually after the fact. We have script writers, script revisionists, directors, voice directors, mocap directors. We have, you know, people at every point of this that are looking at from different angles. And, you know, it's this massive collaboration that has to happen, which is, you know, I always joke when, you know, whenever I see a trailer for a game that I've been working on and go, Oh my God, we're making a game. And then everybody goes, what do you think we're doing? And it's like, yeah, it doesn't become real until it's like, Oh yeah. The animation's done and the coloring's good. And you know, the, the shading's all done and everything's done. You know, then you're like, Oh wow, this is a real thing. You know, there's so many times I'm recording, you know, actors and we're using like grayscale animation for them. And it's like, well, Mm -hmm. you know, or, you know, just kind of, punched up, punched up from grayscale stuff. You're not seeing final polish and all the lights reflecting off his glasses and stuff like that. You you don't see that till the end and then it's like, whoa, this looks amazing.
0: (laughs) Well, so like what, you know, and I don't know how much, you know, you work with VR, but obviously uh, to people listening, right? Like we've all seen the goggles. We know it's constantly changing and evolving. If you do work with that, I mean, is there a way that you can sort of explain how that plays a part uh, in creating this sort of immersive experience in VR? Is this like a whole new ballgame? Is this something you've been doing forever?
1: Is this something you haven't really touched yet? So, yeah, I've had the chance to work on some of it. Uh, I'm not, certainly not, wouldn't consider myself a foremost expert, but, uh, you know, I've certainly seen some real, you know, early on stuff versus some new stuff versus some upcoming stuff. And, you know, it's so wild that it went from, okay, if you wanted to do something, the first time I ever experienced VR of any sort was like this massive, like contraption that you had to put on and you had to be in this like little pod and you could only like move like two steps forward or one step back. And everything was just very like, stunted and oh you turned your head too fast you broke the machine and it was like you know that was <laughs> you know, it was kind of like oh this is the promise of vr to now where the stuff's really great like i've experienced some stuff like you know vr racing simulators where when you hit the brake this the seat leans you forward and the shoulder harnesses brace you and you know you depending on the time of day is where the sun is in the sky in the game, and you know down to like the rumble packs and this things. You know you're seeing this evolution of stuff that's like, you know, yeah. Some of this stuff like is forty or fifty thousand dollars, but it, you know, five years ago it would have been two hundred thousand dollars.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: it, you know you're seeing it get figured out on a much quicker base basis. You know. The, you know all the the phones that are now part of like the VR setups they're really impressive you know I mean the new apple ones I haven't tried yet but that's they're really impressive what they're touting with it so I think there's this lean into it and the more people really try to jump to get in that space the quicker it's going to evolve and it's really you know to this point now there's some there's some really cool stuff in it like You know, I did a VR thing where it was a game and someone snuck up behind me. And because, you know, it's all, you know, know, ambisonics in the headphones, you can actually do a 3D audio experience in a pair of headphones. And so it was really crazy to be, you know, looking at something in front of me and then hear something like walk up behind me and breathe. And I turn around and I could see it right over my shoulder. It was like really kind of unsettling to be like, oh my God, this is, you know, this is taking that next level. Cause before it was like, you know, when you start adding that surround audio into a stereo pair of headphones, the VR space to me seems becomes infinite, infinitely cooler because it sort of takes you off yeah. this flat surface of, yep, you're hearing what you're staring at, but what's behind you is you don't know. So you see, this as like becoming like a a bigger part of
0: games, or do you think it's like because it's so expensive that it's sort of time will tell?
1: You know, it's it's funny because I I don't know that I would bet on it or against it. I think it's you know kind of like three D. I think it's going to have its niche market. And I think there's going to be people. I I think with the technology getting cheaper and better and faster, I, I you know I think we're certainly going to see more of it and more utilization of it for things. But, you know, end of the day, do I want to, if I'm playing a video game, do I want to be standing in my living room playing it? Or do I just want to sit on the couch and play, you know, a game and be and play a game? So, you know, it's it's really going to depend on that. And for me, it's like, I don't know that I would ever want like a VR soccer game where I have to like pretend to run the whole time. Maybe I should. Maybe it would be a great thing for me, (laughs) but you know, I don't see that as being something that I want to use it for, you know, there's certain, you know, I think it's more like purpose built, like, okay, there's this creepy horror game. That's like, you know, you can sneak around the corner and there's the bad, you know, that to me is a really, really cool use of that space.
0: Right. So bringing out the emotion, that's sort of like, I guess that sort of leads me to my next question. Uh, We talked about emotion. We talked about, you know, your al- albums that you like and games that you like that, that sort of bring out those emotions. But do you have a time that you can recall where maybe it was a, a song or, or that you mixed or, or, or the sound design or something that, you know, it was like good, but then you putting on your, your finishing touches took it like to the mind-blowing, to the next level, just through your craft.
1: Yeah, I've had a couple of times where, you know, it's really funny when you're mixing stuff. They're, you know, talk about that moment of terrifying it can be a band that you know has never recorded before or whatever the case may be and you sit in the studio and you're like okay I'm going to play back your first mix of what we've been working on and you know nobody says anything for the entire song and you're you know trying to sit there and you're kind of trying to look over your shoulder but you don't want to look over your shoulder because then they kind of start thinking oh look he's not confident so he's checking in to see if we like it so you just kind of sit there and nod along and then it's over and you hit stop. And that moment, that quiet moment just before someone says anything is the longest moment on the planet because of the reaction could be, Oh my God, that's amazing to, Oh my God, that's terrible. Like, you know, there's, it could fully run the gamut, you know, of, and I've literally had a band be like, I think we made a mistake letting you mix it to, <laughs> Oh my God. I, I, we're done. Let's move. Let's, let's put it out today. So, you know, everything can run that gamut. And it, you know, it's, it's a terrifying moment. So, you know, there's certainly, certainly bands that I've worked with where they've come to me and it's just been kind of like, you know, four guys in a band playing. And then I start, you know, adding like stacked vocals and stacked guitars and, you know, drum samples and synth stuff and doing all this production to it. And then they come back and they, hear it for that first time and they're just like oh my god this is insane this is so you know and it's like it's this crazy rewarding feeling to be like oh right so the stuff that i added to this really brought it to that next level which you know is kind of the ultimate goal is to be like hey look i did something that's making this better
0: yeah these guys that may have just sat down in a room with some acoustics, a piano, whatever, and had no idea where it could come. And that's sort of where your craft will come and take it to, okay, now this is like bringing out emotions. This is getting people to, you know, uh, they want to come and see this live and, and, and sort of helping them take that next step in their careers if they're on a, on a level where they're kind of just getting started or sort of, you know, Continue the train if they're already out there being successful. And either way, what you're doing is kind of being a part of that whole ride with them. And I think that's pretty awesome. Probably similar in gaming to a degree, right? Where you know these you know areas where you're bringing in elements that you said it could be stuff that you're not really thinking about in a in a setting where you're listening to it or you're playing the game, but you might pick up on it later and things that you're like, wow, just all these layers that are just bringing in to the piece of the pie, uh, your piece of the pie to, to the overall uh, final project.
1: Yeah. It's funny. I, you know, I was sort of thinking about all this stuff recently and I've had two instances, you know, once with working on a record and once in a video game thing where the, you know, artists delivered their take of it. And I just went, Hmm, I don't believe you. I don't believe anything that you just said. And, you know, That's, you know, it's, it's weird that it's two different types of things, but everybody's stepping into a role. You know, if you're making a record and you're making a heartbreak song, if you're smiling and singing it, nobody Mm -hmm. wants to hear that. Like, you know, they want it to be like gut-wrenching and, you know, same thing. Like, you know, pretend you, you know, you got shot in the shoulder, but you're still trying to like deliver this message in a video game. You know? (laughs) that's a whole other different type of make-believe, but it's still, you, you know, most of the actors that I work with have never been shot, but they have to like get into that emotion right. of what it would be like <laughs> if I was shot and trying to, you know, give you my last breath for this thing. So, you know, it's so much of that is, you know, it, you know there's, there's those things where you have those moments where you're like, Oh, I'm just trying to get people to believe what these people are saying. You know, and the one time with the record one, I you know I kind of kept beating up on the artist a little bit. Like, I don't believe that. You know what? If you're not going to take this serious, I'm just going to go home. Like, I, you know, I'd rather be at home than sitting here just wasting your time. And she lost it. And the next take was just like seething, staring at me through the glass, like, you know, ripping. And it's the final vocal in the song. Start to finish yeah. that entire take. And it was like yes, that's exactly what I heard. I said, come in, come in, come in. (laughs) And I played it back and she was like, Oh, I get it now. I get it. Yep. (laughs) That, that person sounds hurt. That person sounds scared. That person, you know, so, you know, to get that emotion out of them is, you know, it's that moment. And then, you know, when you take it and you, then you start adding like, okay, you know, okay, I use this mic because this mic's darker and it'll give it that bite. And I use this, you know, mic pre because it gives me this little bit of distortion on it or whatever the case may be. Then you can also, you know, use that to create the story and create the emotion. And so, you know, to me, it's just, you know, every little piece of it adds a little piece to the, you know, to the final picture. You know, it's like a puzzle. Every, you you know... you have a look at a couple of pieces in your hand and you go, no idea what this is. But when you put all those pieces together, you're like, Oh, it's a rocket ship.
0: <laughs> oh, so, getting there. Yeah, no. So like, so, okay. So like, like here, here's something, right. If you had, maybe it's nine inch nails, whatever you're maybe uh, any album in history and any, and you had to turn that into a video game. Like what album would you pick and how would you sort of translate the vibe of the album into,
1: Game, you know, it's funny. I I thought about this a whole bunch. Like, what would be a cool? What album would be a cool game? I don't know, but it's done. It's been done before, and it worked out awesome. You know, like so. I I don't know what album right now. Like, you know, you start trying to figure out. Like, all right, would this? you You know, would it be something that's scary? Would it be something that's metal? Would it be something that's you know? You know would it be something that's like poppy like a Taylor Swift album would that make a good game? I don't know I don't you know I'm sure they somebody is working on that right now. I don't know for a fact, but yeah. <laughs> you know as well as she's doing, I'm sure somebody's trying to figure out how to do that, but yeah it's you know it's so interesting you know i i I can't think of any album that I would go. this would be a great this would be a great video game, but at the same time, you know, I think of like. When I've been to these con, some of the concerts for these bands, and think, "Oh my god, these guys would make incredible video game, you know, creatures or cre- you know, like the first time I saw Rammstein Ooh. in concert, I was like, someone needs to make right. a video game with yeah. these guys in it because all the yeah. fire and the explosions and the you know fiery, bo- yes, you know, you you want to see more of that. That's cool. Like, yeah, I saw him at the four, yeah. yeah, the old, yeah, the old one, yeah. It's you know, see, you see that kind of stuff, and you are like that would be really and you and you do see it. I mean you you know you see characters in video games and you're like, "Oh my god, whoever created that character is a big fan of whatever band or whatever movie or whatever the case may be." You see it. You know, everybody borrows from everything. It might be like, "Hey, that hairstyle is the hairstyle from this person." Yeah, it is or you know, "Oh, look. They you know, that musician even has, you know, they painted stuff on there where they look like the Joker now." like you know every everything borrows from every other thing and so you know it, i think to me it would be more the musicians that i would be like this is a video game musician like this would be cool you know right and i actually sort, yeah. sort of okay, got that cool. crossover one time i did do a recording session with a metal singer and we only had her you know, we're supposed to have her for two hours because you know she was doing big screaming stuff but because she was a metal singer mm-hmm. She was like, "No, let's just keep going." She did it for four hours and was totally fine. I've never seen it before. I've never experienced it before or since. And you know, I talk about it like it's like like Bigfoot lore because it was so impressive.
0: <laughs> she didn't like burn out. No, like no. just p- push uh, through. She was <laughs> like,
1: yeah, this is like a full show for me. So let's just just knock it out. It was amazing. Wow, that's wild. It was amazing.
0: So like. If you, if you, like we talked in the beginning about, you know, advice you might give to someone who is sort of just kind of getting out, you know, and kind of paying your dues, but taking it in terms of like a, a path of, like you said, you know, there's, you know, film scoring, there's uh, working on productions with, with artists, there's video games, there's, you know, post productions, you know, whatever, where would you sort of see the opportunities are right now for someone? Just coming out of school uh, just looking to get into the music industry where do you feel like the the best sort of starting point would be if you were that person if you were yourself coming out of college right now
1: you know it, it's it's so weird such a weird time with this stuff because you no longer need a massive studio with you you know 300 hundred four hundred five hundred bucks an hour you know you can do so much at home you can you know there's all these stories of people you know taking their laptops and making these big billboard selling albums. Like at a farm, we we booked a farmhouse for six months and did all this on our laptop. So you can do that. So uh, to me, the the thing that I try and get across to every younger person in this industry that I talk to is, you know, it's that sort of Malcolm Gladwell, 10,000 hours, like get the seat time, get the experience, get the, You know, it might be recording, oh my God, I've recorded so many terrible hip-hop artists. I've recorded so many bad, you know, acoustic song singer-songwriters. I've recorded so many that are not, you know, so many terrible artists. But all of them added something. All of them gave me, I learned something. I learned how to do this. And, oh, you know, this artist is not really giving me, you know, emotionally what I need. They're, you know, they're the one of the artists that I, you, you dig out there, the emotion from them. Then this artist, you might learn, oh well, if I do this, you know, use this verb, or if I add this effect, or I do this kind of thing, you learn from it all. So just like get out there and work at it, work, 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 because you know eventually somebody's going to notice. And that's kind of like what happened with me, who was, you know, I was using the studio and nobody else was using the studio on the off times. So, studio owners were like hey you clearly want to do this so let's let you do it so you know it's getting into that I mean as far as what side of the industry you know I wish I could say but it it depends on what you're into like there's some people who would hate video game audio there's some people who hate record audio there's some people who think film scoring is boring you know so you you have to you have to zone in on on what you want to do and figure it out and it takes some time you know I it was a long time before I ended up in video games and now I'm like, why didn't I do this earlier? This is amazing. <laughs> you know so you just might not know like certainly experiment with it all test it all you know try all the areas, but you know certainly get you get the reps in and try and you know try and figure out. What you want, you know, getting the reps with this small end of, if you want to do, you know, sound for film, take these independent school projects, like, you know, the pace sucks and the hours are terrible. And, but it, you know, it's all, you can certainly find out really quick. I don't want to do this or I do want to do this or, you know what? I like this, but I, mm, I like the tech side of this better. Or I like the, you know, I like the, I like the more creative side of it better. And then you can sort of hone that in and and figure out what you wanna do.
0: Yeah, so it's just kind of get yourself out there, start getting experience in all sorts of of different facets of the industry. Eventually you're gonna find out what you really like, but some of the pay is gonna suck in the beginning. Some of the gigs are gonna suck in the beginning, but it's just, you might learn mic placement on this one. You might learn, like you said, plugins on that one and things you can just put in your toolkit and continue on from there and build your reps up. And once you find your, like you, you know, decade and a half later or so, right now, now you found your calling and you know, but who knew you just had to keep pushing and and
1: going through till you found it. Yeah. You know, I, you know, I always pushed off the video game stuff a little bit because I was like, no, I don't really play video games that much. And, you know, I'd kind of fallen out of it and now I'm back in at full force and I'm like, but I love this game. And I love the way they do this. And I, oh, I like the way this director does games. And, oh, I like the way this voiceover director directs a, you know, actors. So I would definitely want to work with this. And oh, this this voice actor. I love the way they do things. So you know, I'm I'm fully full bore back into it. But you know, as my brother always jokes with me, he always tells me, when we were playing like our first PlayStation, he's like. Could you imagine if I would have told you, "Hey, you are going to be making these games at some point"? I was, you know, still to this day, I am like, "No, come on, like, yeah. you know what, what?" So, you know, it, it took It'd it insane. took me a while to get here, but you know, now i I no longer have the quarterly call with my parents that says, "Well, you could always go <laughs> into you know substitute teaching, or you could always teach, you know, whatever the case may be." They no longer they no <laughs> longer do that now. They say, "Hey, look, you have a job." So, you know, uh, it, you know, it was not an easy path.
0: No, not at all, man. I appreciate you taking the time to kind of give your story. I think it's a, a you know, I've known you, gosh, you know, got, was it been 15 years or so? I mean, it's been it's been a while. I, I think your story is awesome. I appreciate you taking the time to sort of share your journey and, you know, enlighten people who may not know like what your world's about and, and how interesting and exciting it can be to sort of pursue a career in that world. Would love to do this again and sort of check back in maybe, you know, in, in the future and see where where you've evolved from there. And in the meantime, where can people find you if they want to find out more about you?
1: Uh Jerunderwood.com, Jer, pretty much Jer Underwood, everything, Twitter, J E R X, J E R Underwood, X, Um, which I'm barely on there, but Instagram, Facebook, all that stuff. Yeah. 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 I I was, you know, because I'm sort of tech nerdy, I was able to get the same handle for across all of them. So. Oh, that's awesome.
0: No, I mean, I'll throw this on to the um, liner notes for people that want to, you know, have a clickable link and, and kind of, you know, follow your, your journey. But um, you know, I appreciate it again. Thank you so much for taking the time tonight and uh, we will do it again. If you're up for
1: it. Yeah. Anytime. You know where to find me.
0: I sure do. We'll see you yeah. later in a couple of months yeah. or so. <laughs>